0: Hello everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters Europe, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Michaela Feliziak. In this special series of podcasts, we will be looking at employment and labor issues affecting businesses and organizations, especially in our European jurisdictions. In addition to discussing the important stories and events happening in these countries, we are also fortunate to have a chance to dial in our local ELA lawyers that practice in these jurisdictions and are working daily to help the local clients. Joining us today on the program is Philippe Durand, partner at the Paris law firm, Auguste de Duboisy. In addition to myself, Philippe is also a moderator for our European podcast, Bonjour, Philippe. How are you doing today?
1: Bonjour, Michael. I'm doing just fine. How about you in Germany?
0: I'm fine as well. It's great to have you back on the show.
1: I'm happy to be with you today as well and to share this discussion.
0: Great. So today we will be discussing employees' right to disconnect in France, which I would guess is definitely a hot topic and which might be in some terms related to the COVID situation and the new working environment we have all experienced in the last months, as COVID has definitely normalized working from home or telework. But I think the topic is not exclusively a COVID-related one. So from my perspective, I would say that also before the pandemic, there was a a certain growth of the 24-7 availability culture, and we all might have experienced the blurring of the boundaries between work and private lives. So when it comes to France, Philip, what would you say? Is there an absolute right for employees to disconnect from their IT tools, or what is the situation like?
1: Well, first of all, Michael, I would certainly concur with you when you said that this is somehow COVID-19 related, although it's not totally COVID-19 related, but this topic is certainly taking a new bulk or importance, if you will, because of the Home Office. And I will be saying a few words about Home Office in a second. Coming back to your question, whether or not this is an absolute right, I would say no, because an absolute right would mean something very clear in French legislation, with a direct sanction that will be very clear as well. So if you look at the way it is embodied in our set of French rules, that will show, just in a few minutes, to demonstrate that very quickly, that it's not a direct right for sure. The reason for this is that we have only one direct reference in the French employment code to the right to disconnect, and that is through the obligation for companies with more than 50 staff to negotiate every year or every two years about the quality of life at work, qualite au mm. bio-travail, QVT. Mm-hmm. And as part of QVT, every year or every two years, those companies with more than 50 staff must address the topic of the right to disconnect. But that's it. The law does not say which tools you're going to use, how you're going to put this in place, but you have to address the topic with your union's delegates, the Delegate Syndicaux. And if you cannot reach an agreement, then the law says, and that's a law which dates back to 2016, by the way, I was going to forget to say that. So it's been in place now for almost five years. And that law says that if you do not manage to reach an agreement with the union's delegates, you have to set up your own chart, a guideline, if you will, a unilateral document to define all that. And then that's the only direct legal reference, by the way. And then you've got indirect references where you would end up coping with the right to disconnect, which would be through home office, because even though employees are working at from home, you have to monitor somehow their working time and make sure they don't work too many hours. And also through another indirect way is through this special working time arrangement, which we call forfait jour. Just a quick word on that. This forfait jour mechanism is a working time scheme whereby you would count working time for employees in France on a yearly basis. That is in the number of days, 218 usually over the year versus the usual standard, which would be a number of hours, 35 over the week. And as part of that scheme, which is very popular with high-level employees, cadre or executive status, there is a, an obligation to check, to monitor that workload every year, have a meeting with the employee and check how they manage their right to disconnect. So you see, it's not an absolute right, but it's dealt with in an indirect manner under French law.
0: right. Okay. So in that case, let's dive a bit deeper and talk more about a sort of indirect right, because I'm not quite sure if all of our listeners are aware of the differences between an absolute right and an indirect right.
1: Well, one thing you could say is that that's an expression that is being used often You could portray this right to disconnect as a kind of soft law. And by the way, if you look at various jurisdictions, I've not gone through all the countries over the world, of course, but most of the time it is soft law. Very recently, Italy and Ireland have passed statutes, but they are more like encouragement, enticements for Mm -hmm. companies to look at this and try to monitor and put in place a form of right to disconnect. And actually... The reason why, as you said, as an introduction, by the way, which I thought was quite relevant, we have these concepts, these two main principles, which is working time regulations and health and and safety at work. And because of these two major sets of rules, this kind of soft law is getting less and less soft from a French perspective. Just a, a quick reminder the French law, the employer is responsible for the employee's health and safety. At work, it's a pretty strong test. So, the right to disconnect will come into that, of course.
0: Right. And just one question out of curiosity. So, this would also apply when the employees are working from home. So, the employer is still responsible?
1: Certainly, certainly. Because when you're working from home, as I said before, the employee is still bound by the same working time regulations, which would vary from one contract to another. We're not going to get into those details today. But yeah, you're quite right. And I I would even say it's even more true when people, it's even worse when people are working from home, because as you said, the blurring is existing more and more frequent. So that's precisely the type of situation where the employer has to be more careful.
0: Yeah. From a practical basis, how can such a right be implemented?
1: Well, that's a tricky one, Michaela, because that's a question we're asked uh, very often. And I would say that When companies have to answer that question, there are usually two attitudes. You either have the attitude of a company who's trying to do as if the right to disconnect was in place, everything was compliant, blah, blah, blah. And they would do very little. They would put, for example, a message in every email saying, and we see that quite often now, especially in large companies, a message in in each email saying, If you receive this email out of working hours, you don't necessarily have to answer it right now, for example. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh,
1: I would say that's the minimum that companies would do. If a company really wants to put effectively this right to disconnect in place in France, particularly for large companies, I would say that, first of all, the IT team must be deeply involved from at the outset. I would say that an audit should be conducted to see the flow of emails, to see whether people get a lot of emails on the weekends, incoming. Do they send out many emails out of normal working hours, et cetera, et cetera? So audit, involvement of the IT team, bearing in mind, of course, that you cannot disconnect all IT tools. I've never seen that in any company, particularly for large companies who would have business abroad because of different timelines. You're not going to cut off all IT tools. And then from there, With the union's delegate, you should start an initiated dialogue where you're going to see what you can do. So you can have this kind of message, which in practice may not be very efficient, but you can have this kind of message I just talked about in emails. You can also have smart tricks, smart tools, where, for example, if someone is sending an email at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night, he could receive a message from IT saying, are you sure you had to send this message now, et cetera, et cetera. And also on top of that, managers should be involved. Middle management should be definitely involved. And you can also add to these tools various trainings. Some companies would do short videos so that people get really aware because it's also a matter of awareness in companies and a matter of culture, I would say.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know a couple of German companies which decided to disconnect their email exchange server At least at the weekends, I'm not quite sure about the usual working days, but yeah, I can imagine that the practical aspect is a really tricky one for most of the companies. And Like you said, especially for global working entities, then it becomes really tricky. What are the sanctions that may be envisaged when this right is not complied with?
1: Uh, That's a good question, because of course, companies would say, what what will happen if I don't comply? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Well, as this is a kind of indirect right, as I said before, there are indirect sanctions. For example, if you're a company with more than 50 staff and you don't comply with this obligation to negotiate every year, every two years, there is a criminal fine to be paid with a maximum fine to provided for by law. Similarly, when you breach working time rules, most of those working time rules are also sanctioned from a criminal point of view. We're not talking yeah. about any jail and imprisonment, but I'm talking about various fines which degrees varies according to the kind of breach you are responsible for. And from a civil point of view, you've got all the litigation that is getting more and more frequent in France about working time. So this is worth giving a bit of an explanation. Since 2017, we've had in place, owing to Mr. Macron, a cap on damages for unfair dismissal, which was very new under French law. And this is a schedule. And this schedule provides that, for example, if you have two years of service, you cannot get more than three months salary for unfair dismissal. And the maximum is 20 months after, I think, 20 years of service. This means, that's the key point I wanted to reach with you. This means that employees, particularly those who have a modest length of service, are going to try to find other claims because they will believe that unfair dismissal is not going to lead with too much money. So they're going to build up other claims bullying, variable remuneration, and overtime or any kind of working time claim. And the right to disconnect, in my view, is going to come right into this kind of debate before courts. Mm. So I think it's going to be more and more frequently a hot topic.
0: Oh, that's an interesting one. And then, obviously, the intention from the employees is to increase any severance payments they might get. Exactly,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: So based on what you said earlier, can French companies with less than 50 staff avoid the implementation of this regulation? Is this possible or not?
1: Well, your question is interesting, particularly for our listeners today, Michaela, who have a modest businesses on the French territory. And the answer is yes and no. Sorry about this sir. <laughs> <laughs> compromising answer. But no, more seriously, Theoretically, you can escape the right to disconnect because, as I said before, that obligation to negotiate every year or every two years about the right to disconnect is only provided for companies with more than 50 staff. Having said that, if you have only less than 50 staff, that obligation to negotiate will not apply to you for sure. But the right to disconnect may still apply to you through other means. Like, as I said before, if you have employees working under this forfeiture mechanism I was telling you about, that's one thing. Then you will have to control workload every year, as I said before. And also through home office, where you have to monitor work and make sure that this blurring effect that we were talking yeah. about earlier on is not in place and does not lead people to work funny or ridiculous hours. So you see, for those companies, even though theoretically that statute of 2016 does not apply directly to them, they may still be facing obligation to comply with the right to disconnect.
0: And I guess also those companies should or can fear the sanctions you were, were talking about when it comes to breaches in terms of the Working Time Act or, like you said, in termination processes in front of court, right?
1: Definitely, of course, yeah.
0: Great. So this has been a very interesting discussion. Thanks so much for your time, Philippe. You're welcome. If you'd like to connect with Philip, please click on his bio in the description of this podcast. Also visit the ELA website at ela.law, where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content, or access the ELA's exclusive employer handbook. You have been listening to Employment Matters Europe, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Michaela Feliziak and thanks for listening.